Hello, my name is Christopher Monroe, and welcome to the soundtrack to a life. Soundtrack to a Life. I have been Chris and will remain so. With me once again is Chelsea. Hey Chelsea! Hello! How have you been since we saw you last? Good. I've been good. I work much, I school much. I spend not nearly enough time with you. Aww! <laughs> well, this is a good excuse to hang out. Exactly. See also why I have most of my guests on. And Chelsea and I are here today to talk about Blue Rodeo's 1992 album, Lost Together. Okay, granted, this one's a little out of character, given my taste. Country and or Western music has never been my jam. I don't hate it. Obviously, I understand the appeal, and we're eventually going to discuss Johnny Cash playing live in some prison or other. But it's not one of my go-tos. I didn't grow up with it. It doesn't come naturally for me. I'm capable of enjoying the genre, but I lack the motivation to wade through the hundreds of country and or western bands out there, searching out the handful I might actually enjoy. So for me to be a fan of a country or country-adjacent band, two things need to happen. One, they have to blow up big enough that they come to my attention in the first place. Two, they have to be something really special. Enter Blue Rodeo. Listeners outside of Canada, it's difficult to explain how big a deal Blue Rodeo are in this country. 14 albums, 9 of them platinum or better, 20 top 40 singles over 30 years. Blue Rodeo have cast a shadow over Canadian popular music through most of my life. They've been the kind of band you just sort of absorb without meaning to, that you can go a lifetime without ever intentionally listening to and still somehow manage to know all the words to at least one or two of their songs. They're one of those bands that got huge at home without ever exporting all that well, which has always been a thing that's confused me. They tackle big themes big emotions, in a big, open-sounding way. They sound huge, like the sky, big and bold and honest, and that's something the world could use more of, especially now. It's the rest of the world that's wrong, is what I'm saying. Blue Rodeo are amazing, and you are missing out. Many in Canada asked to choose a Blue Rodeo record would choose their follow-up to this, Five Days in July. It was the bigger record, after all. It sold three times Lost Together and marked the moment where Blue Rodeo went from a band among many to full-on national treasures. But Lost Together will always hold a special place in my heart. It was their first record released while I was old enough to seek out my own music, the first that I got to discover as it was coming out. It was the one that first made me a fan, the first I listened to all the way through, the first to leave a mark on me. And you never forget your first. Also, real talk. It's my favorite due to the title track. Lost Together is the most beautiful song that's ever been written, and I will fight anyone who says otherwise. So, Chelsea, you'd never heard Lost Together by Blue Rodeo, and now you have. Tell me, what do you think? <laughs> I think you are absolutely right. This is definitely a band that I didn't realize I knew most of their catalog when we went to see them live. 
And it's like, yeah, Blue Meridian. I know who they are, but never actually sat down and listened to their music before. This album was good. I really enjoyed it. It was excellent to sit and like give a deep listen to with lyrics. It was also great to just like roll on and have play while I was doing other stuff, which was awesome. Lost Together is an absolutely beautiful song, but weirdly enough, Last to Know I found more beautiful. Last to Know is also gorgeous. Like these guys do a torch song like few others in the business. <laughs> Rain Down on Me yeah. is also a fantastic torch song. Like any of these songs could work super well for Young Love and also for Heartbreak. Yeah, absolutely. My notes for Rain Down on Me say Deep Love. Yeah. That's <laughs> the note that I wrote. That's vague, yet I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Like, this is a band that does Deep Love well. Mm-hmm. Without demanding heartbreak from you like you don't need to be in that mood to appreciate it and i think you're right that it does work both when you're deep listening to it and when you have it on the background while doing other stuff which not a lot of bands accomplish yeah i also found that it transitioned really well from like the other thing i have written down for rain down on me is twangy like a very twangy very country sound to a very like pop almost rock heavier sound and it just flowed it didn't sound out of place. It didn't sound weird in the, the heavier, more rock songs. Like Restless, what I've written down here is rock. Like it's a much heavier song, but it's right after Super Twangy, right before Western Skies, which is another really country sounding song. Yeah, they mix it well. It's kind of an alt country thing before alt country was a genre in its own right. Although, arguably, Canada was doing that a lot for most of the 90s. Jan Arden could also be qualified as an alt-country band had she come out like 10 years later. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, these guys absolutely would have been. The organ through this record yeah. is so low-key, but so distinctive. Like, it kind of gives the whole record an out-of-time throwbacky type feel. It sounds like this record could have come out at any point in the past 50 years, and it would have sounded both appropriate to its era and out of step with the pop world of that era. Yes. Which I appreciate a lot. No, I completely agree. It sounded like I would have loved it in 92 at the age of 12 when it came out, and I love it now, 26 years later. Yeah, and if it had come out in 1957? It would have worked then, too. It would have sounded tinier, recording (laughs) technology. (laughs) Yes, yes, it would have. I also very much liked the, if someone handed you this album and went, here, you might like these guys, and you sat down and listened to it, within four songs, you are 100% aware of where these people come from and what country they are singing about. It is deeply Canadian. Yeah, we had the same conversation last month talking about the Tragically Hip. A lot of the Canadian bands of the 90s were bands from Canada, but also bands that were about Canada in ways that, for example, The Weeknd or Drake are not. No, there was less of a internationalism to music in general during this period, but especially Canadian music. Like, these guys were deeply Canadian. Tragically Hip were deeply Canadian. Rio Statics did the same thing. They were writing about our history and our experience, which I guess answers my question (laughs) about why they didn't export, but they still should have. Yes. Well, like, Western Skies specifically listening to it, I can see that sky. I can see what they're talking about. And I mean, I'm from here, so obviously I have been many of the places they're talking about, but they describe it well enough that someone who isn't from here, if they sat down and gave it a deep listen, 
could see that picture. They paint it beautifully. Yeah, it's very evocative. Yeah. They are throughout their entire run as a band. A very like evocative, emotional, there's a yearning quality to the songs. Like, they're songs that long for something. Which I get a lot out of. Yes. They are also weirdly political. Bands are political sometimes. Yeah. But it's not what I was expecting. I don't... I listen to a fair bit of country music. And it doesn't often come off as blatantly political. Yeah. Or when it does, it's that kind of rah-rah patriotism. Yeah. Or Dixie Chicks, I hate government. That was great, though. That was great. That was super great. But, like, Fool Like You... Not like the person he's talking about. I bet he's talking about whoever was some, someone in government at the time and had a very political feel out of the song. He's mad at them, whoever they are. I'll buy that. <laughs> I also like the, the two vocalists. Had a really uh, strong sense of variety within the album. Mm. Jim Cuddy and Greg Keeler both write songs, and they both sing the songs that they have written. And they both have really strong but unique singing style with a lot of really genuine joy and yearning to them, but like sounding very different from each other. Not just here, but especially here. That's a weird thing that you mostly only got in Canadian bands because I know The Odds did the same thing. Two songwriters, all of them singing. Sloan does the same thing where each band member sings the song that he's written. The Bare Naked Ladies, the two songwriters sing the songs that they've written. There wasn't a really defined sense that a band needed a singer. Yeah, not so much of a, I am the French person and I do all the singing. Yeah, more of a everybody pitching in, let's get this record made, you brought us a song, you should sing it, it's your song. That's a very Canadian way of making music. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. Like, you don't see that from a lot of Welsh bands, he said, having <laughs> listened to maybe like four Welsh bands. but You also don't see it from a lot of American bands either. Usually you only see, like, the duality of singers when you have a male and a female singer. And I couldn't tell you if they wrote the songs or not, or if it was just, hey, this would sound better if sung by a woman, so we'll get a woman to sing it, type thing. Yeah. No, that makes sense. In that case, it's about what key the song is written in, rather than somebody presenting their own words in their own language. Yeah, exactly. Or wanting a softer chorus added to a heavy metal song. Or a heavier chorus added to a lighter song, insert gender specific, that will give you the quality that you're looking for. That makes sense. But yeah, you don't see a whole lot of, I wrote this and I'd like to sing it, please. Yeah, whereas here that happens more. Which makes sense for the style of music that they're making, because there's a really mellow, pastoral hangout vibe to Blue Rodeo. You can absolutely picture these guys sitting around somebody's living room with guitars banging ideas off each other. And you know that voices never get raised. Accepted song. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. The one after this is titled Five Days in July because it was recorded in five days. Ah. They went up to one of their cabins to bang out demos and then finished the demos and thought they sounded good and released it as is <laughs> with like minimal overdub and post-production. Nice. Yeah. And that's, that's the kind of band this is. Like, they're the kind of group that strings together ideas really quickly and really cohesively, and you don't get a real sense of ego about it. And a group of creative people working together without ego is very rare. Yes. You get a feeling that they know each other very well and can play off and pick up, and this would sound better if we did this kind of a feel to it, where it's more of an organic mush. 
Not that the songs bleed together or anything like that, but that it's it sounds completely natural. Something that's been grown rather than built. Yeah. Which makes sense. By this point, the band had already been together for five years. They had released three or four albums, I forget which. They had had some decent-sized success, and they no longer had anything to prove. Mm -hmm. So you get the sense from this record and the records following it that this was a group of friends who enjoyed each other's company and happened to be one of the biggest bands in the country. Yeah. It also very much has the feeling of, hey, we got super big here. I don't desperately need to like push and strive to be big internationally. It'd be cool if that happened, but not 100% necessary. Why don't we just be good at what we do where we are? Yeah, we make country-influenced chill-out music. We have found an audience for that, and we are ready to embrace Canada and to embrace the fact that we're a chill-out band and always basically will be. Yeah. This is not good music to drive really fast and take dangerous chances to. No, but it's great music for I'm driving through Manitoba. Oh, heavens yes. This and I just want something chill as I drive across the flattest part of my country. Yeah, this would be great road trip music. Yeah. For a road trip across the prairies, absolutely. If you ever need to get through Saskatchewan to somewhere, you could do a hell of a lot worse. Than <laughs> Blue Rodeo catalog. Absolutely. Which is, I guess... Like, there were so many bands of this period who fell into that and really embraced it. Like, The Hip never exported, The Odds never exported, Sloan never exported, neither did Spirit of the West, neither did 5440. There were a lot of rad 90s bands that I did not realize until my mid-late 20s no one outside of this country had ever heard of. And I kind of wish that I had known that. Like, that would have made them sound more special to me. That makes sense. Yeah, given a kind of a, nope, this one's just for me kind of feel. Yeah, this is mine. You can't have it. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, the bands we were exporting were Brian Adams or Celine Dion or Shania Twain. Which, fine, they're all very talented and I begrudge them nothing, but that's not who I would think represents us. No. And knowing you as well as I know you, they're not for you. No, they are not. They're not for you. They're not really even for me. They're for somebody else. They're wildly popular. They are wildly popular and they are wildly talented. All three of those people are someone's favorite musician. Yes, absolutely they are. But yeah, they're far more commercial and far less grassrootsy. Absolutely. They're the bands that make the big play for the international market. And you do lose some of the intimacy. Yes, and some of the comediana out of their music. Like Brian Adams, for example, his older stuff before he broke internationally, you can hear Canada in it, and it goes away. Yeah, as, as he becomes bigger and bigger as an artist. Yeah. That quality that I liked in his early stuff when I listened to Brian Adams, I've heard none of his new stuff, because it doesn't sound the same. It's not the same music. I would be so bold as to go as far as saying he's not the same artist yeah, that he, he was. And that's fair. It's 30 years. Yeah. Artists grow and develop. He had to go through his weird phase where he had to be on the soundtrack to every single movie. Yeah, he did. You didn't like it? Well, I have that song stuck in my head now. Forever. Have you ever really, 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 really loved a woman from Benny and June? No. No. All for Love from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Everything I do. Oh, God. Oh, that's the one from Prince of Thieves. Yeah. What the hell was All for Love from? I don't remember. Brian Adams, Sting, and Rod Stewart. Together at last, doing a song-slash-commercial for lozenges. <laughs> oh, Three Musketeers! Because there were three of them! Right! 
man, soundtrack rock. Do you know who did export and represent in Canada D song well? Hmm. Was Bare Naked Ladies. Yes. But even then, One Week was basically their worst song. Yeah. Sorry, One Week fans, but every song on Maybe You Should Drive and one on a pirate ship was better than One Week. Is that the one they used in the Kia commercial? Probably. It was giant and international. There was some fast comedy rapping. And then they did the theme song to Big Bang. Yeah, they were chasing that dragon. like they. But that was after Stephen Page left. Yes. They got, uh, they got really big on a song that was a little gimmicky. Uh-huh. And they tried to recreate it by rewriting One Week. And all of the sweet songs, or the low-key interesting ones, got pushed to the back burner. And again, I'm obviously in the minority here. That strategy brought them enormous success. And also got Kraft Dinner and Ketchup thrown out to the concerts. I mean, don't write a song about Kraft Dinner and Ketchup if you don't want Kraft Dinner and Ketchup thrown you at concerts. I don't know if that happened outside of Canada, though. I presume not. <laughs> if I Had a Million Dollars was not their international hit, If I Had a Million Dollars was the song the Canadians found a little bit gimmicky for their tastes, but the yeah. band is otherwise very good. Yes. I still haven't seen Bare Naked Ladies live. Me either. I've seen Stephen Page live like four times. I've seen him once. I guess he got custody of me <laughs> in the divorce proceedings from Bare Naked Ladies, because of the two, I've clearly made my decisions. One of them gets me out of bed to listen to a new record by every single time. The other ones, if they came out, I'd probably go. You say that, but they've been here. Okay, but like, was it on a weekend? Probably. I got a job. That's true. That's very true. That's very true. Uh, my favorite Bare Naked Ladies song ever. Which one? Oh, Old Apartment is great. It's wonderful. I love it. It's an amazing song, but it's heartbreaking. It's like my favorite Great Big Sea song. Just the one about the refinery in Newfoundland. Oh, yeah. Which is just heartbreaking, but so beautiful. Some other Canadian bands that never really went outside of Canada. No, it's very true. So you recognized all of the songs when we went to see these guys live? Oh, yeah. It's the same as when we went to see 5440. <laughs> They were just kind of omnipresent for a decade. Like, yeah. Blue Rodeo, especially, were the kind of band that you would just absorb from your surroundings. Because they worked, like, due to the period that they were coming out with, they were being fitted into mainstream alternative stations mm-hmm. and also country stations. They were pretty difficult in terms of radio play to get away from. And then they would be played on much music in between two alternative artists as like the breather song in between, which you'd think would feel out of place for country-influenced balladry about western skies. (laughs) But it worked. It weirdly did. (laughs) And the fact that they had already been working together so long. Mm -hmm. This band is from Toronto. They formed in 1984. They released their debut in 87. And they had already been a band for eight years by the time this came out. And like a fairly successful one. Try Diamond Mine and Till I Am Myself Again had already been top 10 hits by the time this came out. And I commented on this last month as well. A lot of the bands of this period were longer standing bands who were having their cultural moment after establishing themselves. So the musicianship and the camaraderie were already there, which I suspect in part is the reason that all of our bands from the 90s are still bands. Yeah, they became really good friends over the process of working together, but also learned how to work together in such a way that they could go, hey dude, I need like a week to myself. 
Yeah, and, and then I'm good. The communication is there. Yeah. Whereas all of the UK-based Britpop bands and whatnot from this era got eaten alive by the press and imploded after two or three albums, or a lot of them did within like two or three albums of them becoming really big, or all of the American bands got really heavily into drugs. Whereas these guys you could still catch today, and we have recently. Sloan you could still catch today, and we have recently. Say in six years we've seen Sloan three times or four times. Yep. 5440 you could still catch today. Last summer. The odds you could still catch today? Well, Craig has a gig co-songwriting with Stephen Page now. Oh, alright. So he's got two bands to bounce back and forth between. So you can still catch him, but not as often. That's correct. <laughs> it depends on which one he's touring with. That makes sense. And I love that. I think that's really great. Even if it doesn't lead to the amount of, and it should, and it's not fair, event around their tours. Yeah, they just sort of slide into a town and then slide out of it again and have a massively huge crowd because it's like you're seeing a hometown band every time you see any one of them, but it's still not hugely publicized or, like you said, there's no event around it. Yeah. Bands that choose the whole breakup, wait five years, reunion, business model for their late career, attract so much energy and attention and enthusiasm when they get back together. Whereas just being consistently good, unfairly enough, will not get you that. Which is unfortunate. Yeah, it kind of is. Not that I'm sure, like, Blue Rodeo are still doing fine. Oh, yeah. Their records chart really high. They sell out really big venues. They come to your town and everybody who wants to see them goes to see them. They're a dope band with one of the finest encore songs of any band's catalog. Absolutely. Staying together and being like a cohesive unit also provides for a consistency in music. Like, if you have a band that's broken up for whatever reason that wasn't amicable, like huge fights or massive drug issues or whatever, and they get back together begrudgingly, your quality of music suffers because either what they're writing isn't cohesive and doesn't work or you have one guy writing one thing that's super deep and meaningful and then someone else writing something that's not and they don't fit and so you get a weird disjointed album out of it or the stage show is awkward and you can feel it as an audience member that these people don't really like each other but they're touring for a paycheck or they're touring because they have to for label reasons or contract reasons or whatever and it produces a much poorer experience as an audience member than a band that, okay, so could they sell at the Saddle Dome? Absolutely. But instead they'll play at the Jube, which is a fraction of the size, sell that out, and you have a far more intimate and meaningful experience with the band that you love because there wasn't a huge hype around them coming to town, and they didn't pre-sell hundreds of tickets for something So you get an intimate experience with a band, even in a larger venue, but not a massive venue. Yeah. No, that absolutely makes sense. This is the sound of people playing together because they want to, rather than because they have to. And you went in in when we saw these guys blind. Yes. Tell them about your blind concert policy. (laughs) So I don't listen to a huge spectrum of music, or never really have listened to a huge spectrum of music. I have, like... A set of bands that I really enjoy, and I know their entire catalog, 
And then Chris will randomly go, hey, this band is coming to town. And I'll go, cool. And he'll say, should I get a second ticket? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then I will avoid the band completely. I will not listen to anything by them. I will not actively seek them out at all. And then I will go to a concert and see a band that I may have never heard a single song by ever in my life. And it's wonderful. Yeah, especially as my taste in shows is wide enough that you can't even guess based on who's getting the tickets. No, and it could be Blue Rodeo, or it could be Gogo Bordello, and those are very different shows. That's 100% <laughs> the case. Or Flaming Lips, yep. which was insane, or Nico Case, which we just saw, which was delightful and intimate and... Amazing. Really warm. And very warm, and that might have been because we were three feet from the band. Being three feet from the band is so great. Yeah. Or sitting on the floor watching people swing dance, getting progressively drunker, listening to Scott Bradley in London. Also completely, vastly different experiences, but amazing, and made more amazing by the fact that I've never heard anything by these people before. Yeah, it can take you completely blindsided. And to his credit, in almost six years, he has never taken me to a show blind that I did not enjoy. Darn right. I may not listen to the band again, but that doesn't mean I didn't enjoy the show. Live music is important in this world. Yes. And a very good way to be introduced to a band, especially one that's weird and insane. Case in point, giant balloons and an inflatable robot on song one and going where the fuck are they gonna go from here oh flaming lips are fun life and that there was a unicorn yeah <laughs> sometimes you need a unicorn sometimes you need a rainbow sometimes you need to put yourself into a ball and then roll yourself out and onto the mosh pit yeah but sometimes you need a bunch of guys with like semi-acoustic guitars playing pleasant warm intimate music that makes you feel like you're in the front row, even if you're up in the balcony, because the front row tickets were expensive as balls. Yeah. Sometimes you need someone wandering up one row into the lobby and back down another row, calling the same words over and over again. Ten minutes! There are many ways to be compelling <laughs> on stage. Yes, yes there are. So this record wound up going to number three on the album charts. It wound up going twice platinum. Five singles were released. Do you think you can guess them having listened to this? Um, Rain Down On Me. That would be correct. Rain Down On Me was the second single off the album, and it wound up reaching number 11. Restless? No. No? Western Skies? No. Lost Together, definitely a single. Lost Together was the debut single from it, and yeah. it wound up going to number three. Last to Know? You would be incorrect. It's a stacked record. Like, yeah, this could have been one of the ones that spun off singles for the next, like, two years. It probably would have been had they not recorded demos that they released as is as a follow-up. Like, if they had gone another five or six months recording stuff. I was very surprised to learn Last to Know was not released as a single. Uh, the other three were Angels, which hit number 75, Flying, which hit number 42, and Already Gone, which hit number 33. Mmm, all right. Yeah. And then at the end of the year, it was nominated for a bunch of Junos, because this is a band that is made to win awards. They are contemporary and popular, <laughs> but you don't need to be an age to enjoy them. No, you don't. Um, they are definitely something that 
like I said, at the age of 12, when this album came out, I would have loved it. And 20-odd years later, I loved it just as much as I would have then. <laughs> yeah. It was contemporary music, and it was contemporary sounding music, but it was also music that you could absolutely picture a 60-year-old finding and falling in love with just as easy as a 14-year-old, which is great for awards season because the voters for that kind of thing tend to be older. Over the course of their career, Blue Odeo has won 12 Junos and 7 SoCan Awards, which is what happens when you've been around for 30 years and you're just consistently good throughout. They have done live albums. They have, I think, they have a Christmas album in there somewhere. They're one of those groups that when they put out something new, you can trust that you are going to enjoy it as much as you enjoyed their previous ones. Mm. Speaking of Christmas albums, <laughs> tell me what you got me for Christmas. What I got you for Christmas? Oh, yes! So Chris picked up a copy of this album on vinyl at Recordland? At Luke's Drug Mart. At Luke's Drug Mart. And he brought it home, and it had to, uh, disc one, and no disc two. So I took it, and I painted on it. So one of the records has the title of this podcast on it, a negative space, image of Chris's face, and then the other one has the lyrics to Lost Together repeatedly, which at some point we will hang and frame in our home. But yeah, it's, that's what I got Chris for Christmas this year. It was so good. I'm going to use the picture of myself in the title of this podcast as my thumbnail for this podcast. Awesome. As soon as I get around to taking a good quality high-res <laughs> photograph of it and replacing my current picture with it, because my current picture was always meant to be filler. <laughs> it's fair. And I had always promised to paint him a picture to use as the thumbnail for this podcast. Now I have done so. Darn right. <laughs> I deserve such fine things. Yes, yes, you do. And I love that the, your favorite one was Last to Know. It's a beautiful song. Yeah, it really is. A lot of the songs are. But the title track and Last to Know and Rain Down on Me are all such perfect songs. Mm -hmm. Like Rain Down on Me isn't a song that should be possible to overshadow. And it's weird that it got put next to one of the four or five songs that could, in my mind, on any other record by a Canadian artist from this period. Rain Down On Me would be a career highlight. But here it's next to Last To Know, it's next to Lost Together. It's all career highlights. And so was the one previous to this, and so was the one after this, and the one after that. That people, I think, to a degree lost track of which perfect gem of an uplifting and empowering but yearning song was going on from moment to moment. Yeah. Which is a shame, because the way that he sings, I used to think I knew what I was waiting for. I don't think that anymore. It's just a perfect celebration in the middle of a song. Yes. And they all sound different. Like, they're deep, powerful love songs, but they all, they have a very different and distinct sound to them. So, like, ballads blend over time. Like, if somebody put on eight Adele ballads back then, they would all eventually start to sound the same. She has a powerhouse voice and uses a similar music structure behind her. While she's saying something different in each song, and standing alone on the radio with a bunch of stuff that doesn't sound like it around it. It sounds really unique It sounds really unique and distinctive, and it punches you in the face when you hear it. But if you put a bunch of them all together, they're going to bleed. 
you're going to zone out halfway through one and zone back in halfway through another one three songs later and go, I still listen to the same song. Whereas these three songs, they are deep, meaningful, emotional songs about different points in a relationship. Yeah, which they have to be. Because these are love songs that celebrate love. And so many love songs lament love. Like, if you listen to two hours of Adele music, they'll start, to, they'll start to bleed together a little bit. But also, if you listen to two hours of Adele music, you've probably got some shit going on in your personal life. Whereas, these are also love songs, but they're ones that make you want to spring out of bed. Yes. Like, Blue Rodeo are right in their wheelhouse when they're pulling off a huge, soaring chorus. These songs launch up and into the sky and then take up resonance there and you never regret the real estate that you've given them. Absolutely. I didn't realize this until researching the podcast. All of their success notwithstanding, Blue Rodeo have never had a number one hit. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Lost Together hit number three and it is tied with Till I Am Myself Again as their highest charting single but they've never had a number one in Canada. Similarly, they've never had a number one album Although Nowhere to Hear and In Our Nature both hit number two in 1995 and 2013, respectively. Interesting. Yeah, I thought that they were... Well, I mean, they were. They were a giant deal. This went double platinum. Five Days in July went six times platinum. And they've been in and out of the singles charts throughout their career. Yeah. But they would have also been competing for chart space in Canada with Shania Twain and Celine Dion and... Brian Adams and Neil Young and all of those other artists that did break wider. Yep. As well as the artists from other places. Yes. Who came here and then were successful. Them too. So it, it makes sense to an extent that they didn't get a number one hit, though it's kind of tragic. And I guess, yeah, it does make sense because this band was everywhere, but I couldn't tell you what the one song that was everywhere was. It wasn't so much a world-conquering or nation-conquering single that defined them. It was yeah. that everything they did yeah, they was just... all over the radio and very successful because they were goddamn national treasures. Yeah, and they were just like, you would turn on the radio and they would be there. You'd walk into a mall or a store and they'd be playing. Like They, they were ubiquitous. You heard them absolutely everywhere. But case in point, me didn't register that that's who I was listening to. Until I sat down and went, oh, I know all of these songs. Every single one of them. Huh. They're a very popular band <laughs> in a country in which you lived during the period in which you lived there. Yes. Trust me that you know who these guys are. <laughs> I've already bought the tickets. Let's go see a Blue Rodeo show. Yep. We gotta go see Blue Rodeo again. Blue Rodeo will be dope live. They're coming soon, Mike. Are they? Yeah. When? Would you like me to find out for you right this second? Yeah, literally right now while we're recording. I can, I can find that out for you right this second. They keep popping up on my Ticketmaster emails. Nice. The closest they are getting to us is Medicine Hat. Medicine Hat! Uh, July 6th. Ooh. And then they will be in Winnipeg on August 7th and 8th, and Toronto on August 24th. No worthy. Yes. All right, well, if we can afford a road trip one of those weekends, we should go see these guys again. Well, we can't for the 7th and 8th because we're seeing Ani DeFranco on the night here. We don't have to actually make plans. I'm just making a mental note for podcasting purposes. Fair enough. Which brings us to the end of the show. <laughs> Perfect.
I'm going to close out the show the way that I always do. Three questions, as you well know, having listened. Uh, one, you ever going to listen to Lost Together by Blue Rodeo again? Oh, undoubtedly, yes. Absolutely, I will listen to it again. Nice. Are you going to explore Blue Rodeo's catalog further? Most likely, yes. It, like I said, it's really good put it on in the background and listen to it music, and I do a whole lot of studying. This would be great studying it's music. great studying music. Yeah, it's mid-tempo, it's relaxed, it cradles you. It yeah. sounds like an old friend. Yeah, and it doesn't give you one or two songs that are soft and mellow, and then all of a sudden you have this like crazy dance, high, high energy. Yes, yeah, this has never been a crazy dance. It's band. like, you know, you get ups and downs, you get some mellower songs and some more up-tempo, rockier songs. But nothing that's like jarring when you're listening to it. Agreed. If you uh, do want to explore further, uh, the follow up to this Five Days in July is also phenomenally good. Awesome. Uh, like I said, it was recorded in five days. It is very loose and comfortable and showcases everything about this band that is terrific. I may have a second person on to talk about Blue Rodeo because <laughs> I had a real problem deciding between this and Five Days in July. Mm -hmm. They're both amazing. If I ever need something specifically Canadian to pitch at somebody who lives in a different country, there is a non-zero chance that there winds up being two Blue Rodeo episodes of this show. And they're a band that I think warrants that. Yes. And finally, if you had to end the episode on one song, what song would you pick? Last to Know. We're doing Last to Know on the way out. This has been the soundtrack to a life. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SoundtrackCast, SoundtrackCast.com. Like us, share us, rate us, review us. Tell your friends about us if you want your friends to listen to my weird opinions on music and people's reactions to bands that I liked. Chelsea, you have no pluggables? Nope. Chelsea's Don't online me. presence is very minimal. Yes, I have very, very little online presence, but I will plug currently the weather is about to get super warm in this town, and if you have anything, sunscreen, hats, Sunglasses, anything like that, donate them to the Calvary Drop-In Center because we can always use anything. That's a great use of your plug time, actually. This has been the soundtrack to a life. Donate stuff to the Drop-In Center, and we will be back in two weeks to talk about a band that could be the literal opposite of this. Talk to you then. 